Thank God today, and this is Pastor Adams, President and Founder of Truth Matters Ministries in Atlanta, Georgia. And once again, we're so thankful, we're delighted, we're honored to be host in attendance of this very vital ministry of contending for the faith that has once and for all been delivered into the saints according to Jude 3. And we just thank God for our listeners all over the world. We just thank God we have the opportunity to share the gospel in over 41 countries across the world. We just thank God for the privilege and we thank God for the responsibility of delivering sound and very cogent and relevant content and messages. And we're going to ask before we get into our teaching today that you will join us in prayer. Now, Father, we thank you for your love. We give your name praise for your provision. We thank you because, Lord, our relationship and our hearts and our lives are found in you. We thank you that we are hidden in Christ Jesus. We give your name praise today, God, because we're your dear children. We glorify you today, Lord God, because you've never left us alone, but you've been with us. You said you'd be with us through the storm. You said, Lord God, that when we go through every trial and every test, you said that you'd never leave us nor forsake us, but you'd be with us always, even until the end of the age, through sickness, through trials, through calamity, through wealth, through lack, through being, Lord God, abased or being exalted. God, you said that you would be with us. With us, And we thank you, Lord God, that we know that in all things, God, you're reliable. Your word is constant. It's a rock. It's a pillar on which we can stand and build our spiritual lives. You bless someone. Let someone be saved. Let someone be delivered. Cause someone to reach out and say, what must I do to obtain eternal life? And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray today. And today we're going to be uh, teaching on a topic called the truth about Christian orthodoxy. And I want you to really listen and tap in today because if we ever need to address an area of examination, it is this one. Because this is the center or the mete of our faith, our life and our hope. What do we mean by the term Christian orthodoxy? Listen, orthodoxy is defined as biblically authorized or accepted doctrine or practice. What are the orthodox doctrines that are authorized and accepted in scripture? Well, let's just start for uh, sake of examination. Let's start with the maxim of Augustine. This is what he said. He said, in essentials, we must have harmony. In non-essentials, we must have liberty. But in all things, we must have charity. Listen, in essential doctrine, we must all agree without deviation. In non-essentials, we're granted liberty to have varying views and practices. But we must walk in love in all issues, in all circumstances. Hear me, when we deviate from essentials, then we are biblically unorthodox. What did you say, Pastor Adams? When we deviate from the essentials, then we are biblically unorthodox. What are the primary essentials of the Christian faith? I want you to write some of these down. Here they are. The doctrine of the Trinity is essential. Christ's atonement is essential. What's included in it as well as what's excluded from it. The resurrection of Christ is essential. We can't deviate from any of these. The inspiration of scripture or the Bible being inspired by God is essential. You can't be a Christian or believe in God and don't believe in his word. 
Now, within these broad categories are several subtopics and doctrines such as covenants and sin, grace and repentance, regeneration, substitution, redemption, reconciliation, terms such as imputation, faith that fall within the genre of soteriology, adoption, righteousness, sanctification, glorification, perseverance, and the study of end times, which is known as eschatology. Now, see, the church in the early church was built upon what is called diligent persistence and adherence to the essentials and orthodox doctrine. And to ensure that the church never lost sight of that, they did a compression or they did a summary of what all of those essentials are by constructing what was called creeds. And I'm going to share with you what the Nicene Creed says so that you can see how important orthodox or essential doctrine is. This is what it says. It says, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, co-substantial with the Father through him all things were made for us men and for our salvation he came down from heaven and by the holy spirit was incarnate of the virgin mary and became man for our sake he was crucified under pontius pilate he suffered death and was buried and rose again on the third day in accordance to the scriptures he ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand of God the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy Catholic, which means worldwide body of believers and apostolic church. I confess one baptism, spiritual, not water, for the forgiveness of sins. And I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Now, our purpose today is to shine light on how we can preserve biblical orthodoxy and expose the variables that erode the tenets of orthodoxy or good biblical doctrine in the church. In achieving this, what and how has the scripture instructed and cautioned us as Christian leaders and believers? Well, listen to what 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4 says. It warns us that the time will come when men will not put up with it or endure sound doctrine, but will instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers who will say what their itching ears want to hear. Listen to what Titus 1 and 9 exhorts us. It says, hold firm to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that you can encourage others by what by sound doctrine and refute those who re who oppose it oppose what sound doctrine jude jude 3 commands us to earnestly contend to go and combat about to fight for the faith that has once and for all times been delivered to the saints galatians 1 and 8 says if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you other than what we have preached, let them be fit for destruction or a curse. Hear what 2 John 1 and 10 says. If there come unto you anyone 
and they bring not this doctrine, receive him not in your house or church, neither bid him Godspeed. For he who bids him Godspeed is a partaker of his evil deeds. See, it's quite apparent that God is deadly serious about sound doctrine, isn't he? See, we as believers should be as the seasoned currency inspector, where we can spot a counterfeit bill a mile away. We need to be as the expert piano tuner who takes his precision lever of scripture and discerns all notes and strings that are off key. My question is, why aren't we in the church like that? I surmise that the most glaring deficiency in the body of Christ is called biblical biblical literacy. We don't have biblical literacy. Why do you say that, Pastor Adams? Well, it's not prioritized by leadership and it's been eroded and altered from being a God-centered organism to a man-centered organization. I kind of like that. I'm going to repeat it. It has been eroded and altered from being a God-centered organism to becoming a man-centered organization. How do they do that? Well, they use new slick marketing strategies from Madison Avenue. They've replaced what is known as broken and hungry hearts and bended knees while they're holding on to the horns of the altar for the harvesting of souls while continuing to perform diligently study of the scriptures and obedience to the scriptures to maintain orthodoxy, which is what we believe, and orthopraxy, what we practice and how we practice what belief what we believe in our daily lives. We have adopted an end justifies the mean methodology, which is fueled by pragmatism. What is that? Well, pragmatism is, if it works, it must be right. Too many pastors and teachers have adopted this carcinogenic concept and they've run past boundaries and they've catapulted over biblical peers and they've played hopscotch with the scriptures about restrictive forbiddances. Those with itching ears avoid the admonition that's been listed in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 21. What does it say? It says, test all things and hold on to that which is good. You know what? Testing doctrine is included in that mandate. 1 John 4, the first through the fifth verse says, try the spirits to see if they be of God. How do we do that? We try or test the teachings of or the spirits by the word of God. But what's the problem today is we don't test, we just taste. And if we and if it tastes good, we just eat it up. Now, if you surveyed the average Christian and asked them to verbalize or enunciate the cardinal fundamental doctrines or essentials of the Christian church, which draws a line of demarcation between the kingdom of cults and the kingdom of Christ, we would have very paltry and embarrassing results. How can we know or discern what is genuine orthodox theology if we don't really even have a clue what it is? This is how the most popular ministries in the world are led by false teachers like Joel Osteen and Juanita Bynum, Noel Jones, T.D. Jakes, Mike Todd and Paula White, Prophet Lovey and Kenneth Copeland, Creflo Dollar, men such as Clarence McClendon and ladies like Joyce Meyer, Jamal Bryant, Steve Furtick, who have all embraced, they've all been embraced by us and we revere them and they're revered by millions of people, especially within the black community, even though these false teachers are egregiously biblically ignorant they are spiritually defunct or you might say they're mentally delusional 
we are not aware of these findings that I've just mentioned because the church is in an adolescent doctrinal state. We're babies. Teachers and pastors who are full of ambition and focused on personal ministerial prowess will do whatever is pragmatically expedient to build a large following and a ministry, not primarily for the building and edification of the body or the kingdom of God, but their desire is to build their own spiritual kingdom, their kingdoms that brand, that has their branding and has their name and their deposit accounts attached to it. How does this occur? They manipulate the unlearned or the biblically naive. This is why Acts 20 and 28 commands pastors to keep watch over themselves and the flock which the Holy Spirit has made them overseers to shepherd the church, protecting them from false teachers and doctrines that would destroy their perception of God, his will and purpose, and his gift of salvation that was purchased by his atoning work on Calvary by faith alone. Some of you might be offended by the name of their favorite preaching uh, preacher being mentioned as a false teacher. Some suggest it's unprofessional or divisive to mention names or false teachers. But our Lord set an example by anointed apostles to name false teachers' names. The Bible in 1 Timothy 1.20 and 2 Timothy 2.17 and 2 Timothy 4.14-18, through 18, it named Hymenaeus, Philetus, and Alexander the coppersmith who were doing the flock or the church much harm by teaching incorrect doctrine, which would make shipwreck the saints' lives and their hope in Christ completed work on Calvary. See, unorthodox false teachings include repackaging of the antics of Daddy Grace and Father Divine and Catherine Coleman and preachers like Reverend Ike and a host of others who have profited and gained large followings and wealth by preaching an unorthodox and man-centered doctrine. Most Christians gravitate to a ministry based upon their personal or social needs. You know it's true. They're concerned about their desires and their personal interests. There is a major movement today called the seeker-sensitive movement that actually goes out and surveys what people want from a church, what things will motivate them to attend and commit to a church. And then those ministries will go out and structure their doctrine, their methods, their services to capture what people want, letting the tail wag the spiritual dog. Instead of standing for sound doctrine, they elect to abandon it for the allure of the numbers and the contributing members who are excited to have the church fellowship that will give them ease and comfort while they continue living in sin in their lukewarm condition, which will accept and condone their rebellious form of godliness while they deny the power of the gospel thereof. No wonder Joe Osteen has a best-selling book called Your Best Life Now. That is what itching ears are turned and tuned into. I want this life's goods. I don't want to hear about suffering and trials and tribulations and denying myself and living pure, disciplined lives. I like my truth. I live my truth. I love my perspectives, my morality mixed with materialistic tolerance and my carnal pursuits. Yeah, that's right. I'm talking to you today. We don't have an appetite for the Jesus that bears a cross and says that we must do likewise. We don't covet denials of our lusting and egocentric desires. We love the fast lane of life. We love the popular shine. We love robust, robust networking. We love having big houses and fancy cars. We love wearing the bling.
bling bling and we love the adoration of this worldly culture instead of being change agents of the culture we've become nothing but microcosms of the culture we desire a god as a means to our end who will be our little genie in a bottle who will be a supernatural bodyguard for us, a powerful agent for our personal agendas, an advocate for our personal objectives and appetites. But we abhor the Jesus in scripture that says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Jesus said in John 6, 26 and 35, that many people seek him not because they saw the miracles or the move of God, but they only follow him because they ate the barley loaves and they got their bellies filled. We don't seek Jesus' face in a relationship of service and bearing fruit for his kingdom, but we seek his hands of what we can get out of his hands and what we can receive in this life. There are so many aberrant theological constructs that are afoot today that have been taught by false and deceptive teachers, doctrines such as covering theology, salvation by works, little God theology, positive confession, prophetic utterances, and oneness theology, baptismal regeneration, manifestation theology, the laws of attraction theology, dispensationalism, black liberation theology, universalism, polytheism, pantheism, guaranteed health and wealth constructs, and mind science principles. Principles. How is this achieved and condoned? Well, people are so biblically illiterate, they can only be spoon-fed. And because they are babies who can't digest nutritious meat, they prefer candy instead of nutritious food. We don't desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. Instead, we choose candy and bacon, the artificial meat that does not really have any nutritious value or protein that will make us strong and equipped believers who possess biblical discernment and avoid and contend against the counterfeit and deceptive artificial doctrines that are so prevalent everywhere. This is why the church has prioritized entertainment over heartfelt prayer and expositional teaching and preaching. We love going to services that have great music and that rhythmic beat and that rhythmic preaching style. Huh? Yeah, Lord, come on now. Y'all don't hear me. Oh, Lord. Yeah, yeah. We love that kind of stuff, and we love to get a prophetic word from a preacher that's going to validate our social endeavors, our weak, compromised, and rebellious lifestyles. We love to be socially affirmed as a bona fide Christian by pastors who have a primary goal of maintaining a large following where their contributions will continue to fuel their personal kingdoms, their personal exploits, and their lifestyles. Many false teachers like T.D. Jakes and Juanita Bynum, Clarence McClendon boast of having robust biblical training. Juanita Bynum, she stated that she has a bachelor's, master's, and doctorate degrees. But research has discovered that her degrees were obtained from what? Diploma mills. What are those? They are uncredited schools that earn money by offering degrees without the rigor or required training for scholastic proficiency. Most egregious is her alleged PhD that was granted from Truth for Living Bible College in Jacksonville, Florida, which many false teachers get their bogus credentials. Now, many people attend schools like Rod Parsley's Valor's, uh, Valor Christian College, which has a curriculum that is doctrinally tainted, but it's still accredited by ABHE, which only confirms that the institution purports the Bible is central 
and the development of the Christian life and ministry is essential. ABHE does not certify that the school is championing orthodoxy or teaching or affirming Christian essentials or doctrine, but it just affirms that it aligns with the Christian genre. This is why it's so important to WTU. What is that, Pastor Adams? Who taught you? See, that was popularized by Dr. Damon Richardson, who was the founder of Urban Logia Ministries, which means who taught you? Who's the person who taught you? Likewise, as a Christian rapper, the truth, Emmanuel Lambert asked, who's been teaching you? Who's been reaching you? Come over here. Let's let God's people speak to you. Who's been schooling you? I hope they ain't been fooling you because it's too late to wait to the wake or the funeral. That's why I'm so glad that you listened to this podcast today, because the world is full of teachers and spirit and spiritual principalities, but most lack the spiritual biblical credentials and foundation of orthodox objective truth that can only be found in scripture. None of us would let Pookie down the block manage our money, would we? Would we let Pookie broker our mortgage or perform a hemispheric surgery on our brain? pilot of 747 that we're in or represent us in a serious legal proceeding? No. Why? Because Pookie does not have credentials or expertise. But isn't it sad? We wouldn't do that, but we have no problem or hesitation opening up our spirit, our mind, our eternity to teachers without any thought of their credibility or their biblical acumen. So sad. Too often we surmise that if they sound good, have a large following, if they give me a little tingle and they give me excitement or give me that emotional zing that I need, give me some comfort, gives me hope and address my little personal life issue, well, go ahead, get the needle ready and stick in the spiritual IV, I'll take it. See, 2 Corinthians 11 and 4, it cautions us by saying, if he that cometh preaches another Jesus, whom you have not preached, whom we have not preached. Or if you receive another spirit, which we have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. There is another Jesus. There is another spirit. And there is another gospel. The question has been raised for centuries. Who is the Antichrist? There's been much speculation and conjecture about a futuristic person who's going to be dominating the world stage, bringing in the one world government, etc., etc. But the scriptures describes a broader perspective of this question. We only have to go to the scriptures to find our answer of who the Antichrist is. Where is it found? It's found in 1 John 2 and 22. It says in 1 John 2 and 22, it says, Who is the liar if it is not the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Jesus says he and the Father were one. The Father called Jesus God in Hebrews 1, 6 through 8. In John 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word who was Christ, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with the Father. The scriptures trumpets the fact that God is known as Elohim, meaning plurality. The Bible says that only God was involved in creation. There are only two categories, God who made things. And if God made things, he could not be one of the things that he made. It's only creator and the things he made. But listen to us. The Bible says that he was the only one involved in creation. 
he affirms his plurality by stating, let us make man in our image in Genesis 1. The spirit of Antichrist is defined and manifested by men denying the Godhead or the Trinity. That's right. I said that if you don't believe in the doctrine of the Trinity, you are walking in the spirit of Antichrist. Recently, we have seen leaders in international Christian organizations confederate with cults like Mormons. The LDS Church, which denies the essential Orthodox trend doctrine that Jesus is eternally divine and teaches that Christ is the spirit brother of Lucifer. Many Orthodox Trinitarians are joining arms with Oneness Pentecostals who deny that Jesus is incarnate deity. They repackage and market the Aryan false doctrine that Jesus was not always God. Hear me today. I want you to focus in. The Orthodox doctrine of the Trinity is this. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are three persons who comprise the one God. They are co-eternal. They are co-equal. They are distinct of the same substance, the same nature, the same essence and purchase. They are not one plus one plus one equals three. But the Trinity is triplex. One times one times one equals one. Hear me. The Trinity is three who's and one what. See, these unorthodox false doctrines about God's composition are known as Sabellianism or modalism, which teaches that God is three manifestations or God the Father assumes the modes of three persons. Many teach that God the Father just changes his colors and coverings like a chameleon. He changes his hats or uniforms where sometimes he operates as the Holy Spirit and at other times he operates as his son. This is a dangerous departure from the cardinal doc, uh, essential doctrine of the Trinity. This is what this is what the impetus of, for the assembly called the Council of Nicaea in AD 325 was all about. The assembly of 318 bishops representing the majority of Orthodox churches and organizations in the early church era came together to ratify the biblical truth that Jesus was eternally God and not a created being. Why do we categorize Jesus' deity as essential? and sound the alarm about unorthodox teachings of Jesus' deity. I want you to turn to John 8 and 24. It's very, very central. It warns us in John 8 and 24. It says, if you don't believe that I am he, Aikya, ego, I me, or eternal God, you will What can be more serious or frightening than that? What's at stake is you can go to hell and miss an eternity with our Lord. That is why Christian Orthodox doctrine is so important. T.D. Jakes, get ready, get ready, get ready, is a modalist, as is Noel Jones, as in organizations like Cool JC or PAW or UPC, which boasts millions of members and adherents. Far too many pastors today teach mind science cult theologies. The most popular movement today is the Word of Faith movement, which is greatly influenced by the late false teachers like Norman Vincent Peale, E.W. Kenyon, Smith Wigglework, and many people such as that. 
They teach guaranteed health and wealth, little God theology, law of attraction, manifestations, and uh, positive confessions. Those who embrace and teach part of these doctrines is T.D. Jakes, Kenneth Copeland, Bill Winston, Rod Parkley, Parsley, Mike Todd, Paula White, Juanita Bynum, Steve Furtick, Joel Osteen, Joyce Meyer, Benny Hinn, Andrew Womack, Creflo Dollar, Creflo Dollar, Leroy Thompson, Prophet Lavoie, Clarence McClendon, Jesse DePlantis, and thousands of churches that have been influenced by this pragmatic results and affluence of wealth and external success of these false teachers. Now, the dangers of these unorthodox teachings are devastating. Who can forget Lucky Parker, who was taught unorthodox doctrine and that health and healing is obtained by believing that Jesus guaranteed healing by bearing stripes in the process of his beatings and dying on the cross. Lucky denied insulin to his child and confessed his son was healed, but instead of healing, the boy died. The parents were arrested and charged with manslaughter and served time in prison, but more tragic, they lost their son. Datelines Diane Sawyer, following Benning Hinn on several crusades and preached an, who preached another Jesus who guaranteed healing and wealth, began to perform stage healings and proclaim that young that a young man would be healed when he brought him up on the stage. The boy stopped taking his medication and soon died thereafter. There are thousands of these incidences that take place all across the world every year. But what about the sum total of the millions who don't believe in the Godhead, who don't believe in sound essential doctrine? Who's going to warn them? Much of the fault of unorthodox teachings have been directed towards teachers and shepherds. But listen to some revealing data of what we as people do with the precious time that God given us. The average person living 75 years spends 24 years sleeping, 24 years working. 12 years watching television or social medias, eight months on the telephone, five years eating, four years waiting for things, and sadly out of the 75 years, they spend only 73 days studying the Bible. God, you help us today. In Jesus' name, amen.